Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. In October 2022, when the excavation work on the Camden battlefield was about halfway done, the second part of the Camden Burials Project began. The leaders of the project contacted the U.S. Army to start coordinating ceremonies to honor the fallen soldiers and to organize their reburial. These were brave men. They stood their ground. They fought and gave the rest of the Army time to withdraw all the way into North Carolina and regroup and fight another day. Retired U.S. Army Major General Julian Burns, a native of Camden, South Carolina, was a key organizer and military liaison during the planning of the reburial ceremonies. The project had been initiated three and a half years earlier when a collection of groups, mostly state and local groups in South Carolina, banded together to preserve the hundreds of acres of pine trees north of the town of Camden, which were the site of the Battle of Camden. The battle on August 16, 1780, was a devastating American loss during the Revolutionary War, and as such, the battleground had not been fully protected by state or federal authorities. More than 200 years of farming, timbering, and relic hunting on the battlefield had taken its toll. As many as 400 soldiers are likely buried in shallow graves in the sandy soil. Many of their graves have been eroded by nature, injured by industry, and traumatized by artifact collectors. In March of 2019, the historic Camden Foundation and the South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust took the lead in the effort to transform the battlefield into a protected monument, one which could be visited by those who wish to learn the history and pay their respects. This is the birthplace of freedom right here. This was the crucible on which it was fought. And what an opportunity to reconnect the community, the county, the state, and the nation to its lineage and its heritage. The goal was to excavate five or six graves that were well known to collectors, exhume the remains of five or six soldiers, and then bury them properly so they could never be disturbed again. Those graves ended up holding the remains of 14 soldiers, 12 American Continental soldiers, one member of the British Army, a Scottish Highlander of the 71st Regiment of Foot, and one militiaman who was likely a loyalist from North Carolina who fought with the British. The militiaman turned out to have Native American ancestry, 
so a project that was geared toward preserving and protecting the remains of five or six soldiers now involved coordinating with the U.S. Army, the British Army, and Native American tribes in North Carolina and South Carolina, and then the whole country. The reburial ceremonies were scheduled for April 2023. That gave the organizers of the Camden Burials Project six months to make everything that was needed and to assemble representatives from all branches of the U.S. military, representatives from Great Britain, France, and Germany, a burial party from Scotland, and hundreds of dignitaries from home and abroad. From Black Barrel Media, Q Code, and the historic Camden Foundation, this is Mission History. I'm Chris Wimmer, and this is the story of the American Revolution, with a focus on the soldiers from both sides who fought at the critical battle of Camden, South Carolina. This is Episode 10, Honoring the Fallen. This podcast is brought to you by the historic Camden Foundation. In this episode you'll hear the story of the unique ceremonies that happened in Camden, South Carolina in April 2023, and of the burials of some of the soldiers who were recovered from the Camden battlefield. I was there for the ceremonies, as you'll hear, and I was fortunate to spend several days in Camden. The history of the battlefield and the story of the burials of the soldiers are unique in American history. If you're in the area or planning a trip, visit Camden in the heart of the Southern Campaign and see the historic Camden Foundation, which interprets revolutionary history in cooperation with the Revolutionary War Visitors Center. Experience hands-on history at their 100-acre colonial town site. See the battlefield, the Longleaf Pine Preserve, the Kershaw House, where British General Charles Cornwallis made his headquarters, and much more. Go to historiccamden.org to plan your visit, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram, at Historic Camden Foundation. In December 2022, a little more than a month after the excavation was complete, the U.S. Army Office of Army Cemeteries contacted the South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust to discuss the Camden Burials Project. The Battleground Trust managed the project on behalf of the historic Camden Foundation, and Doug Bostick, the CEO of the Battleground Trust, played a lead role in the discussions with the U.S. Army. The question that needed to be answered as soon as possible was, where would the soldiers be reburied? Representatives of the project, plus the South Carolina governor and attorney general, wanted the soldiers to be reburied on the Camden battlefield, either next to their original grave sites or in a new cemetery. But what no one in South Carolina knew at the time, and it would be easy to take it for granted, was that there was another, more fundamental question that needed to be answered first. Were the 12 Continental soldiers whose remains were recovered from the Camden battlefield official U.S. Army veterans? On the surface, it would seem like an easy question to answer. Yes, they were the first soldiers of the only branch of the American military that existed at the time, the U.S. Army. But long after the soldiers fought and died at the Battle of Camden, the U.S. Army developed protocols to properly and officially identify soldiers who were killed in action. 
The problem is, virtually none of those protocols can be applied to soldiers who died more than 240 years ago. The uniforms of the soldiers had long since dissolved. There were no such things as dog tags in the Revolutionary War. There were obviously no fingerprints or photographs or DNA samples taken from or of the soldiers when they signed up. For all intents and purposes, they were unknown soldiers with nothing to identify them as U.S. Army veterans, other than historical inference and some common logic. So, the Office of Army Cemeteries began the process of certification. Three months later, in early March 2023, the office's consulting archaeologist traveled to South Carolina to meet with the archaeologists and forensic anthropologists who worked on the project. On the archaeology side, Steve Smith was the principal investigator, and Jim Legg was the field director. Steve is the research director at the South Carolina Institute of Archaeology and Anthropology, and Jim is a research archaeologist at the Institute. The forensic anthropologists were Dr. Bill Stevens and Dr. Maddie Atwell, both of the Richland County Coroner's Office. The representative of the Office of Army Cemeteries met with members of the team in South Carolina and viewed the remains of the 12 Continental soldiers. And in late March 2023, only a month before the ceremonies, the Office of Army Cemeteries certified the 12 soldiers as, quote, Army service members. With that, the U.S. Army was on board with participating in the ceremonies, and everyone could circle back to the question, where should the soldiers be buried after the ceremonies? Like the certification process, it wasn't as easy as it might have seemed. Doug Bostic, CEO of the South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust. Our intent, our desire from the beginning, was to reinter them in the places in which they were recovered. The Army, though, has a responsibility to maintain graves in perpetual care by legislation and congressional mandates. So their point of view was, we didn't want them to go back where they were found. We need them in a cemetery. So the initial recommendation was they'd be buried in a national cemetery. And there's one at Fort Jackson. Fort Jackson is an Army training facility for new recruits in Columbia, South Carolina, about 25 minutes south of Camden. It was our opinion that, yeah, Fort Jackson National Cemetery is an incredible, honorable place. But these fellows, these Continentals, would become one of thousands of white crosses in that cemetery. We felt that if they were left on the battlefield, in the right context, they then tell not only their story, they tell the story of all their mates that were in this fight. The debate over the locations of the burials continued. The new recruits at Fort Jackson in the spring of 2023 were about to be part of something unique and emotional, but the question of the burials would linger long after the upcoming ceremonies. There was another component of the official certification process that the representatives in South Carolina didn't know about. That component would ultimately answer the question of the location of the burials, but not in time for the ceremonies. As it was, one month after the official certification, Camden and Columbia, South Carolina, hosted ceremonies that will likely never be seen again.
Simple wooden caskets were constructed for the soldiers. The wood was sourced from South Carolina pine trees that were 300 years old. The nails that held the caskets together were crafted by hand at the historic Camden Blacksmith Forge. Caissons were brought in from across the country to transport the caskets. Traditionally, caissons for military use looked like wagons with rectangular boxes near the front and the back, and they were used for transporting ammunition. Historically, they're used for military funerals. A team of horses pulls each caisson as the fallen soldier is transported to his or her final resting place. For the Scottish soldier in the British Army, the leaders of the Camden Burial Project took an extra step. They authorized the construction of a gun carriage, also called a cannon carriage, to transport the Highlander's casket. In Great Britain, a similar carriage has been used for the funerals of kings, queens, and heads of state since the funeral of Queen Victoria in 1901. That carriage, called the Royal Navy State Funeral Gun Carriage, was recently used for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. For the military ceremonies in South Carolina in April of 2023, the organizers of the Camden Burials Project crafted a gun carriage that blended American, British, and French history. After the Revolutionary War, American war hero Major General Nathaniel Greene fell on hard times. He had accrued huge debts, and he was forced to sell most of his property to pay back the money. The people in the new state of Georgia gifted Greene and his family a plantation as a way of saying thank you for leading the American Southern Army that liberated the state after years of British control. The plantation was called Mulberry Grove, and it was located in Chatham County, north of the city of Savannah. Green passed away in 1786, just three years after the peace treaty between America and Britain was signed, and just five years after the British surrendered at Yorktown. Five years after Green died, the first American president, George Washington, visited Savannah. To honor the city and his old friend, Washington sent two bronze cannons to the Chatham Artillery. The cannons had been captured at Yorktown after the British surrendered 10 years earlier, in 1781, and one of them was very special. It was a French cannon that had been cast in 1756 during the reign of King Louis XIV. It was emblazoned with a name, La Populaire, and it was inscribed in Latin with this fitting expression for a tool of war. The inscription said, Last Argument of the Kings. Those two cannons are still on display near City Hall in Savannah, but the connection to the Camden Burials Project began 219 years later. In 2010, the Fraser Historical Arms Museum in Louisville, Kentucky, secured for the first time ever the right to borrow and display armaments from the Royal Armories of the United Kingdom. The city of Savannah allowed the museum to make a mold of the La Populaire cannon and cast three replicas before the mold was destroyed. Two of the three replicas sit outside the museum in Louisville. The third was for the founder of the museum. And 13 years later, he sent it to Camden, South Carolina to be used in the military ceremonies. In Camden, craftsman Philip Holtgren went back to the original source material to build the gun carriage for the Scottish soldier. 
Holtgren used a manual called A Treatise of Artillery that was written in the 1750s by the headmaster of Britain's artillery school. The manual details the specifications for the construction of a cannon carriage, and Holtgren followed them to the letter. When the carriage was finished, the La Populaire replica was added, and then a platform was built over top of the cannon to hold the casket of the soldier from the 71st Regiment of Foot, the unit nicknamed Fraser's Highlanders. By mid-April 2023, the caissons for the Continental soldiers and the gun carriage for the Scottish soldier were assembled and ready. It was time to bury the soldiers with full military honors. Three days of ceremonies began Thursday morning, April 20th, 2023. The caskets of 13 of the 14 soldiers were loaded onto the backs of Humvees at the Richland County Coroner's Office on the edge of Columbia, South Carolina, about 30 minutes south of Camden. The caskets were draped with the flags of their armies and secured for transport. The 14th soldier, the man who was thought to be a loyalist from North Carolina and who had Native American ancestry, stayed behind while the leaders of the Camden Burial Project continued to work with Native American nations to agree on services for the soldier. The Humvees carried the caskets up to Camden to begin a kind of long and winding funeral procession back down to the Capitol building in Columbia. On the way to the Capitol, the column passed by the Camden Military Academy and most, if not all, of the public schools between Camden and Columbia. At the Military Academy, all the cadets lined the road and saluted as the column passed. But for the public schools, no one knew what to expect. When we asked the schools to do this, we thought, eh, some schools will have a few kids here, a few kids there. They're at recess, they're at lunch, they got busy schedules. You know, what are they going to do? We were appreciative of anything they would do. When we arrived at each school, the entire student body was outside waiting for us. And one of our team was waiting for us at one of the large middle schools, Lugoff Elgin Middle School. And she said that before we got there, kids were being kids. They were joking around, cutting up, you know, pushing, shoving, doing what kids do. As soon as they saw the highway patrol motorcycles escorting the procession, she said, you could hear a pin drop. Not a word, not a murmur, not a push or a shove, not a joke. They were silent and motionless. Many of them with hands over their hearts, lots of them saluting, waving flags. And she said, the minute we pulled out of the school, the entire student body applauded. When the procession made it to Columbia, there was a short press conference on the steps of the state capitol building. And then the procession made the trip to Fort Jackson for its final stop before heading back to Camden. 2,000 recruits lined the streets of the base, all saluting. Soldiers, officers, and civilian support staff joined them. They fired an artillery salute as the procession passed. Brigadier General Jason Kelly is the commanding officer at Fort Jackson. He's been a soldier for 29 years, all of his adult life. At Fort Jackson, we teach history, heritage. It's a part of our program of instruction because we want those that join our force to understand those that preceded them. So an opportunity to honor 
in a dignified way those that preceded us, our earliest warrior ancestors, to have that be witnessed by our newest trainees, soon-to-be soldiers, was moving. After the ceremony at Fort Jackson, the procession finished its return trip to Camden so that the 13 soldiers could lie in state in the Kershaw House on the property of the historic Camden Foundation. The house was built by Camden's most prominent citizen of the Revolutionary Era, Joseph Kershaw. It was the headquarters of British commanders while they occupied the region, and now it would be the place where the general public could pay their respects. The Column of Humvees arrived in the late afternoon of Thursday, April 20th, and members of the United States Coast Guard were the first active-duty servicemen to participate in the ceremonies. They slowly, solemnly carried the caskets into the house and laid them on wooden stands that had been specially constructed. When all the caskets were inside, the guardsmen changed the American flags that draped the caskets of the Continental soldiers, from Revolutionary-era flags to modern flags. Lieutenant Philip O'Neill is the branch chief at the Maritime Law Enforcement Academy for the United States Coast Guard and the Advanced Law Enforcement Division. He led the Honor Guard detail that took those first important steps on behalf of the American military. Once we started reading about the history of the Canyon battlefields, and especially these soldiers here, what really got us was that key word, the nation's first veterans. When we have the opportunity to give back to where it all began, that was an easy thing for us to do. This is one small thing we can do for them. Senior Chief Petty Officer Daniel Brooks. My father was a Vietnam vet, and he always instilled that in me to honor the ones that have fallen. And you can't take anything to the next level unless you know where it came from, especially when it comes to our country. So it's always good to kind of bring it back full circle. It's a perfect moment to show your junior members, hey, let's pause. Stop trying to push the fight forward. Let's go back and bring these service members home. The same feeling was felt by active duty servicemen from the British Army. A burial detail traveled from Edinburgh, Scotland, to honor the Highlander of the 71st Regiment of Foot. Regimental Sergeant Major Ryan O'Neill of the 2nd Battalion, Royal Regiment of Scotland, led the detail of six soldiers who volunteered for the assignment. We heard that there was the remains of a British soldier being buried who had uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice at the Battle of Camden many moons ago. And we took the opportunity to come here and be the pallbearers and indeed the conducting warrant officer for the occasion. I've done a number of military funerals in my time, and to lay someone to rest is always a huge privilege, regardless of how well you may or may not know that individual. And the individual in question now died almost 250 years ago. He'll be given the exact same level of energy, enthusiasm and rigour by the pallbearers as a soldier who passed away yesterday would be given. Beginning Thursday evening, April 20th, and for the next 36 hours, the soldiers from the Camden battlefield lay in state in the Kershaw House. And for much of that time, they were guarded by shifts of active duty service members from the Coast Guard, Air Force, and Navy. Thursday night, hundreds of people lined up outside the Kershaw House to be able to go inside and spend a few moments bearing witness to history. Much like the school kids earlier in the day, the mood of the line of spectators as they waited outside was exactly what you'd expect. People chatted and took pictures of the area and looked at their cell phones. But when they began to ascend the wooden steps toward the front door of the house, the discussions became whispers. When they walked in the door and saw a room of flag-draped caskets on their left and another on their right, 
the whispers stopped. Only the sounds of muffled footsteps filled the room as the people shuffled past and started to understand the gravity of the moment. The chance to view the caskets and pay respects ended Friday, April 21st. That evening, spectators were treated to a concert and a military performance on the lawn outside the Kershaw House. A military band from Fort Jackson played selections of martial music and specific cues to accompany a demonstration unlike anything most people had ever seen. A platoon from the Old Guard in Washington, D.C. traveled to Camden to perform infantry maneuvers of the Revolutionary War period. Spectators watched companies of troops dressed in Revolutionary War uniforms march, line up for battle, fire, pivot, and reposition, and then, for the finale, charge with bayonets. It was a rare and special experience, and likely the majority of the spectators didn't know the historic lineage of the unit they were watching. The unit that is nicknamed the Old Guard is the U.S. Army's 3rd Infantry Regiment. It was the first regiment created by Congress for the new United States Army. The regiment was constituted on June 3, 1784, and it was made up of veterans from Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. It was called, simply, the 1st American Regiment. And, despite several name changes and assignments within the Army over the next 240 years, the regiment continued its service. As such, it is the oldest active-duty unit in the United States military. After World War II, the regiment transitioned to a largely ceremonial role. It still has the responsibility of providing security for Washington, D.C. during times of national emergency or civil disturbance, but its day-to-day -day functions are as the official Army Honor Guard and the escort for the President of the United States. As the Honor Guard Regiment, it conducts or participates in memorial ceremonies for fallen soldiers. The regiment is divided into specialty platoons, the most well-known of which is the platoon of Sentinels who guard the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Washington, D.C. For the Camden ceremonies, the demonstration platoon, the firing detail, and the bugler traveled from Washington to represent America's oldest Army regiment. Spectators watched the military maneuvers on Friday evening, and the following day, they witnessed the solemn duties of the firing detail and the bugler. Saturday, April 22, 2023, was the culmination of nearly four years of work or at least the leaders of the Camden Burials Project thought it was the culmination at the time. A surprise twist arrived at the last minute that extended the project by several months, but it was too late to change the majority of the complex and heavily choreographed program that Saturday. In the morning, an honor guard of active-duty U.S. Army soldiers carried the caskets of the 12 Continental soldiers out of the Kershaw House and loaded them onto horse-drawn caissons. The burial party from the Royal Regiment of Scotland did the same for the member of the 71st Regiment of Foot. The Scotsmen laid the casket of their countrymen on the gun carriage above the replica of the Le Populaire cannon. The Honor Guard 
and a color guard led the procession through Camden, followed by a battalion of Revolutionary War reenactors. The streets were closed as the long procession marched the one mile through the heart of the old town to Bethesda Presbyterian Church for the funeral service. As each caisson drew up alongside the church, the U.S. Army Honor Guard and the Royal Regiment Burial Detail lifted the caskets from the caissons and the gun carriage while a military band played Amazing Grace. The pallbearers carried the flag-draped caskets through the churchyard and laid them on stands on the front steps of the church. A Presbyterian reverend and an Anglican reverend conducted a funeral ceremony to represent the most likely religions of the fallen soldiers. Rows of spectators sat in chairs in the churchyard, and hundreds of spectators watched from the grounds and the street beyond the yard. The service was a blend of old and new traditions. It included prayers and hymns that would have been familiar to the fallen soldiers, and it ended with an iconic modern-day tribute. It has been a tradition, as long as we've had Army and Air Force in the air, that you know, funerals would be celebrated by a formation of aircraft. And just as the formation passes over, one of the aircraft peels off. The Air Force fighter jet flyover, described by retired Major General Julian Burns, was one of two such tributes that day. The second would be conducted by the Army a couple hours later. When the service at the church concluded with the flyover, the caskets were repositioned on the caissons and the gun carriage, and the funeral cortege made the trip several miles north to the Camden battlefield. At the battlefield, hundreds of spectators filled a clearing for the final ceremony of the three-day event. A stage was set up for speakers, and chairs were arranged for dignitaries. The funeral cortege arrived, and members of the U.S. Army and South Carolina National Guard carried the caskets of the Continental soldiers to the stands in front of the stage and then positioned themselves around the clearing. The Royal Regiment burial detail positioned the Scottish soldier alongside the 12 American soldiers. A brigadier general from the Maryland National Guard and a major general from the Delaware National Guard were in attendance. Numerous military representatives from South Carolina were in attendance. Two German military representatives attended to pay tribute to Baron Johann de Cobb, the Bavarian general who commanded the Maryland and Delaware regiments at the Battle of Camden, and who died from injuries sustained in the fight. French and British officers were in attendance, as well as His Majesty's British Consul General from Atlanta. Doug Bostick welcomed everyone to the unique once-in-a-lifetime experience. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster delivered remarks before the portion of the program that caused kids to stop fidgeting and their parents to fall silent. The Old Guard firing detail from Washington, D.C. fired a 21-gun salute. (laughs) 
and the Old Guard bugler played the most moving and haunting tune in American military history, a bugle call named Taps. As the final notes of taps faded, a squadron of Army Apache helicopters flew over the battlefield, and then a bagpiper played Flowers of the Forest to honor the Highlander. The ceremony moved toward its conclusion with three sets of remarks before ending with the final tradition of an American military funeral. The flags on the caskets of the 12 Continental soldiers were folded and presented to 12 dignitaries who acted as honorary pallbearers. At that time, the soldiers would have been reinterred right there on the battlefield where they fell more than 240 years ago. But that plan had changed and the leaders of the Camden Burials Project only learned about the change in the last couple days before the ceremonies. To put it very simply and plainly, it was a big deal when the U.S. Army certified the 12 Continental soldiers as official American military veterans. As such, the Army wanted the soldiers to be buried in a national cemetery, ideally the one at Fort Jackson in Columbia, down the road from Camden. The organizers of the Camden Burials Project wanted the soldiers to be reburied where they fell, right there on the battlefield. But the piece of the puzzle that the organizers didn't know about at the time of certification and only found out about right before the ceremonies was that they didn't actually have a choice in the matter. The soldiers are, as yet, unidentified. The project hopes that DNA scientists in Great Britain will be able to discover at least the family names for some of the soldiers, but it's a long shot. When American soldiers can't be identified and next of kin can't be notified, the army becomes the next of kin for the fallen. As the official family members of the unidentified soldiers, the army chooses the place of burial. In this case, the Army and the Camden Burials Project reached a compromise. The Continental soldiers would not be buried at the battlefield, but they would also not be buried at a faraway cemetery. The soldier with Native American heritage remains at a secure location until Native American nations decide on a ceremony and a burial, and the Scottish soldier remains there too until the British send a delegation to supervise his burial. But four months after the ceremonies, the 12 Continental soldiers were buried in a private service in Camden. On August 12, 2023, 
the American soldiers were buried at the old Presbyterian Cemetery across the road from the grounds of the historic Camden Foundation. The cemetery dates back to the 1750s, and it was fitting to bury the soldiers near people of their era. The burial work was performed and supervised by representatives of the Office of Army Cemeteries. The graves were laid out with the same precision that you'll see at Arlington National Cemetery or any other national cemetery. The curved gravestones are the same simple white marble as in other cemeteries, and each is engraved with a simple inscription. Unknown, Rev War, Battle of Camden, August 16, 1780. It is also perhaps fitting that the Continental soldiers were not buried in April 2023 as planned. The delay allowed their final burial to happen 243 years, nearly to the day after they fell at the Battle of Camden. Thanks for listening to this special first series of Mission History about the American Revolutionary War and the Camden Burials Project. It was an honor to be part of such an important production, and we look forward to bringing you more stories in the future. Stay tuned for updates about upcoming seasons. The producers wish to highlight the life and career of Doug Bostick, CEO of the South Carolina Battleground Preservation Trust. Doug passed away during the production of this series. He was passionate about American history, and he was a military historian who dedicated the last 15 years of his life to preserving historic sites for the benefit of future generations. He will be missed. This series of Mission History is a production of Black Barrel Media, Q-Code, and the historic Camden Foundation. Thank you to Doug Bostick, Major General Julian Burns, Brigadier General Jason Kelly, Lieutenant Philip O'Neill, Senior Chief Petty Officer Daniel Brooks, and Regimental Sergeant Major Ryan O'Neill. This series was researched, written, and directed by me, Chris Wimmer. Interviews researched and conducted by Mandy Wimmer. Producers are myself and Mandy Wimmer. Executive producers are Carrie Briggs for the Historic Camden Foundation and Steve Wilson and Dave Henning for Q-Code. Marketing lead for Q-Code was Ellie Kotopish. Original music by Rob Valier. Featured violin by Kevin Huang. Historical advisors were Owen Lurie, historian with the Maryland State Archives, and Jim Pycooch, South Carolina historian and author. Their help was invaluable. And extra special thanks goes to the team at the historic Camden Foundation. Carrie, Stacy, Margaret, Catherine, Will, Lance, Len, Davey, Liz, Barbara, Arthur, and Marley. Thanks for listening.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.